At Silo, we hold that the Bible is God's Word, and as it's read faithfully and taught accurately, it's God speaking to us. We're going to read from the last chapters of the Bible. Five weeks ago, we started right at the beginning at page one, and, uh, and now at the end of the month, we are uh, finally at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22. We started in a garden, and we end here in a city. And we'll be reading from Revelation 21, sentence 1, and it'll come up on the screen for you as well. Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And from chapter 22, starting at sentence 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp of light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of God. Let me me jump in by uh, and begin by praying. Uh, God, we want to thank you for your word to us, that it is true. I'm going to pray for us this afternoon that we would uh, hear you speak to us, and whether we know you or we don't, whether we're close or far or distant or whatever it is, Lord, we want to pray that where we find, wherever we find ourselves this afternoon, uh, that you would, you would address us and speak to us truth, and that uh, we would come to know you for the first time or grow in our love of you. We want to pray that you would use me as your servant and give me energy to speak, but give us listening ears and an open heart to hear the truth of what you want to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good afternoon. My name's Gav. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to have you here this afternoon with us. And I genuinely mean that, that, that uh, we love that when you come and we, when you're here. And so thanks for making the effort. We do hope you enjoy uh, your time with us here at City Light. Uh, we are in the last talk of our five-week series, this gospel series we've been looking at. And the aim of this series has been to really outline what the Bible says. And seeing the Bible is actually the message, that holds a message of good news for all people for all time. And today we come to the end of our series. And today that's what I'll be speaking on, the end. The end of all things. And today I want, I want to show you uh, what the end is about. Um, but I want, to, I want to say and I want to state that I believe if we know how the story ends, it gives us hope now and forever. 
Uh, it's been a, a bit of a sad week in the Mork household. We lost a member of our family this week. We lost TiVo, our uh, recording device. It went to the big electrical store, store in the sky. Um, if you don't know, TiVo is our digital recording uh, uh, device that it records our TV shows. And so much more. It's been so much more. It's been part of the family for a long time. It's been faithful, and uh, it's still a bit real for me and raw, so anyway. Um, but uh, anyway, we had to replace it, so we went and got uh, a Fetch TV. Fetch is amazing. TiVo, who I say now. Um, it makes things so easy. You can access things all in one place. You catch up TV, your apps, your, your show. You can record your show, shows, whole season. You can, everything. It's amazing. You can throw kids' channels in. It's a great babysitter for the kids. Um, you can... Uh, <laughs> No, and you can, uh, you can access your sport channels. Oh, I'm hooked, right? And, uh, but um, one of the coolest parts is you can access movies and rent movies really easily uh, through this. And this is great for my kids. My kids love watching movies. So we got Fetch last week, and uh, we said to the kids, look, we can rent a movie to celebrate Fetch in the family. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so they decided to choose a movie they hadn't seen before, and it was the Smurfs movie, right? The Little Blue People, Smurfs. And, uh, and this is risky for them because they had not seen the Smurfs movie. Now, it's risky because the big question my kids ask when they're choosing a movie is, Daddy, is the movie scary? Is it scary, is what they ask. And so we hadn't seen it, so we didn't really know. And, uh, and uh, it's about a G, but who knows. Um, but so we put the Smurfs movie on, and it was uh, interesting watching them watch the movie. I looked at one point, and the Smurfs having a great time, as they do, running around, building things, uh, running away from Gargamel, and... Uh, this is a little shout out to the Smurf fans, anyway. Um, and uh, it was almost, I was watching them watch the movie, and it was all like, it was a happy scene, but my kids couldn't enjoy it. They were so afraid and scared that a scary scene was coming that it affected how they interacted with the movie. We're watching the movie anyway, and the plot comes where there's a bit of a twist in the movie. You could see it coming, but they, they didn't, obviously, and they were quite captured by, by this, and the, the twist comes, and things look bleak. Then my youngest, Savannah, turns to me and she says to me, Daddy, will the Smurfs be okay? Gargamel had them. Um, and uh, I look at Jet and Indy and they too aren't really enjoying it. There's a bit of fear as, as they're watching this all take place. And they, look like they can't enjoy the movie. And it comes down, they can't enjoy it because basically they want to know, they can only enjoy it if they know that it's going to be okay in the end. They can only enjoy it if they know that the story will be okay in the end. They have to know the ending. See, the second time they watch any movie, they love it. They enjoy it. They're laughing. They're singing along with the songs. They're getting into it because they know the ending. And they know that it'll be okay in the end. So they can ride the ups and the downs of the story because they know the end of the story, it's going to be okay. And everyone has a happy ending. It's not hard to see my kids get this from. I'm exactly the same. Um, I do enjoy the Smurfs. Um, But uh, but I want to know how the story ends. If it ends well, if it's a happy ending, I can engage with the story, even through the ups and the downs, because I know in the end it's going to be okay. For me, knowing how the story ends matters. And I really, really will only watch movies with happy endings. Now, hearing that, you could think, well, that seems a bit childish, but here's my reason. See, I, I personally find life hard enough and sad enough, and so I don't need fictional movies to make me more sad. Now, you may or not agree that that's my experience. And I'm sure that a lot of us here have experienced the sadness and the brokenness of our world that we live in. I've said before, as I get older, I feel like life gets harder and more complicated. 
And no one told me this because when I was younger, I thought that as I got older, I understood life better, as I became an adult, that I would, I would work out what life's about, understand it, and then live in a way that wasn't complicated or sad. It'd be easy, but it's not that way at all. And I know for a lot of us here, we experience life like that, the same way I do. We live in a world and in a place where there are so many areas of our life are fragile, on a knife's edge. So many parts of our life uh, can fall apart in an instant. And when we do it, we suffer and we hurt and we feel it. And often what happens is when we, when we get hurt or we, we go through suffering or a hard time or hardship, uh, it leads us to feeling like, well, if that ha- has happened once, it may well happen again. We get fearful of what, it may come again. We get anxious. We can look around at our world at the moment and we can be afraid of what is taking place through terrorism or house prices or job security or whatever it is. And we have very little control over those things. We can look more intimately at our own lives and worry about relationships, losing people we love, sickness and illness, financial issues. There are so many areas of of life to worry about that seem so fragile. And if you're anything like me and you're a worrier, fearful and anxious, what you want to do then is you want to control. You want to control your life and your circumstances because I know, or you know if if you're this sort of person, that if you can control life, then you can control the outcomes. And you, can get the, and you can have the best outcomes that don't, that don't stress you out too much. You keep things from going wrong. But regularly, for me, and, and, and worryingly, I'm confronted with the fact that I, can, that I can control very little in this life. I can't control my health. I can't be there to protect my children and look after them all the time. I can't stop them from getting sick or hurt. I can't reverse the dementia in my mum. I can't take away my brother's Parkinson's disease. I can't make people like me or control what they think about me. I control very little in this world. And it's scary. And this is the world we live in. A world full of unknowns. A world full of scary possibilities of troubling outcomes. And a lot of us are running scared. We're told by, by the world, and we, we think that if, if the way to deal with this is not think too hard, maybe put our head in the sand, just chase experiences, go and relax, go and travel around the world, and, and enjoy yourself, get more money, get bigger houses, ignore the problem. But that doesn't make it go away. And when tragedy and trials and hardship or suffering knocks at our door, these experiences, they won't stand up, they just crumble. So the real question is, if this is the world we live in, What hope is there? Is there any hope for the future? And not just the future, is there any hope for now? How do we go on? And this is really the question that I want to raise and speak into today. Because this is our world and our lives. As I said, this is our our fifth week in our gospel series. And in this gospel series, we've been trying to walk through the story of the Bible. Week one, if you were here, we had Mark Stevens come in. And he talked about creation and the goodness of creation. And that God made everything good and invited us into, uh, into that creation to enjoy what he'd made and enjoy him, have a relationship with him. Week two, Jez spoke on the brokenness of the world. Not long after the creation of the world, sin entered it. And as Adam and Eve rebelled against the good creator. And they were separated from God. And because of this, humanity and God now have, now have enmity between them. We have no way back. 
And we live in a world where we are alienated from God and we feel the effects of that alienation every single day. Week three, we jumped over most of the Old Testament. We saw how in the Old Testament that uh, the effects of sin were being felt by people everywhere. And we saw that that there was this problem of sin and broken relationship with our Creator. And there seemed to be no way back. Then we met Jesus, the rescuer. God sent His Son. Jesus, out of His great love, died on the cross to take away our biggest problem of sin. To restore us back to God. He died in our place for our sin, taking away the death Death and, and sin and, and Satan. And the Bible t- teaches that salvation is for all people. A gift of grace. Week four, we heard Mal speak last week on the cost. That following Jesus is costly. It costs your whole life. But it's worth it, he said, in what Jesus says. We saw it's like the man who found a treasure in the field and sold all he had in his joy to get that treasure. And we heard that finding Jesus is like finding the most precious and valuable treasure. These four weeks have been really trying to outline the Bible, this story of the Bible. But it's not just the story of the Bible, it's actually our story, it's humanity's story. We are still in this story. We are caught up in this, this is our life state, it's still going. We are part of the Bible talking about people coming to know Jesus, this message of hope, this message of the gospel. And what I want to try and do today is show how that we are part of this story, but I want to show how the story wraps up and how that affects us here and now. So I want to take you to the end of all things. I want to show you the end of all things. And it's these passages that Jez just read for us from the last book in the Bible called Revelation. Have a look at the screen with me, and I'll show you it. It's what Jez just read for us. Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible. This is John the Apostle speaking, and God has shown him a vision. And he says this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, heaven, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then we jump to chapter 22 and it says, The angel then showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. And they will see His face, and His, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will, they will not need the, lamp, the light of a lamp or the, sun, or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is really the end of the story. It's the end of all things, the Bible puts it, how it all ends. But it's not just the end of the story. Actually, if you look at it and think about it, it is the beginning of eternity. It all begins. So we, we, we read of the beginning of what is to come. And here in the, in the sentence we just read, uh, in, in chapter 21, sentence 3, we hear of God coming and actually dwelling with His people face to face again. Almost like back to the garden where it began. God and humanity back together 
again, face to face. Chapter 20, uh, 22, sentence 4, they will see each other face to face. Now, if you know any part of the Bible, you know that no one could see God face to face and live. He was too powerful, too holy. If anyone entered his presence, I would fall down dead. And here, at the end of all things, God's saying, now I am with my people face to face. There's this intimacy, there's this relationship, that there's nothing separating God and his people anymore. They're together as they should be. No, being known by their creator. Sentence uh, uh, 21.3 says, they will be his people and God will be their God forever. Relationship restored. But do you see what it means by being God's presence? It says there's no more sadness, no more suffering, no more fear, no more worry, no more anxiety, stress, sickness, illness, no more loss, no more pain, no more disappointment, no more frustration, no more bitterness, no more being let down by anybody, no more sin and no more death. This is the way the world should be and God created it this way. Let me just read again, sentences 3 and 4 from 21. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. Then it says, in sentence 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. The creator of the universe wiping away tears from our eyes. I read this, and I long for this day. When all the sad things come untrue, where I'm home, where I belong with my God. This is the happy ending we all want and deep down desire. This is the ending for those who follow Jesus. Home with their God, safe and secure, where they belong for the rest of eternity. C.S. Lewis, the great writer uh, and author, says that as he, in the last little paragraph of his Narnia Chronicles, speaking about heaven, uh, he says this. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter 1 of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Lewis describing what heaven will be like. Growing up, um, my wife Katie and her family every year went on a um, two or three week camping trip to the same place for a number of years. It was called Mile Lakes, just two and a half hours north of Sydney. And when I say camping, it was legit camping. It was real camping. There was no electricity. There were no showers. There were no bathrooms. There was a small little tent. When I first went visiting, there was a small little tent. And in this tent was a milk crate with a hole cut out of it, with a hole underneath it. That's where you went to the toilet. Uh, that, was, that was where they went. It was, that's camping. And they camped right on the fresh, uh, freshwater lake, and that was your shower. That's where you went. Now, that's my nightmare. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I would never feel clean. I'd sleep in tents. Yuck, I hate that. Anyway, the funny thing is that Katie and I are opposite in this. Um, and she absolutely loved it, camping in the bush next to the lake, nothing to do all day. I remember one time talking to her. <laughs> right, see, now you're getting why it's my nightmare, right, you know. Uh, I remember talking to her once, and she was talking about camping at Mile Lakes, and she was saying it's like the happiest place on earth for her. It's almost, she, she's at most peace there. She's most relaxed there. Most at rest there. In, in a sense, it was like heaven for her. 
no stress, no worries, her soul truly at rest. And I'm sure we all have places in our lives where we can go to, where we go and we feel secure and we feel safe. And we feel like, oh, I can just rest here for a minute. We all have that. When we read the end, when we read Revelation 21 and 22, it's meant to evoke that sort of emotion in you. That sort of feeling of, I've made it. This is home. This is where I belong. And this is what I've been searching for my whole life. Safe, secure, protected, and at rest. Home, where we belong. That's the ending. That's the ending of where all things are heading. And this is what it'll be like for those who follow Jesus. The happy ending we all deep down long for. You may be thinking, okay, great, um, that's, that sort of awaits for followers of Jesus when they die, but, but how can you be sure of this? And how does that even affect now? Is that just pie in the sky when you're dying? Is that just a wish that you have? And, you know, is this floating on clouds? Is that what's going on here? Well, firstly, how can we be sure of this? Well, this is what we've been speaking about every single week in this gospel series. We can be sure of this because of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he has done. As I said in the start, the biggest and the greatest enemy between us and God is sin and death. We are separated from God, from His presence forever. But Jesus comes and He deals with it. On the cross, Jesus comes and He dies in our place for our sin, dealing with, with sin and the punishment and the guilt that we have from rebelling against the good God. On the cross, He says, I've got it, I'll take it all. It's mine. And He gives us His righteousness. And He says, now because of my death, in your place, you can now have a relationship with the Creator God forever, by grace. Jesus doesn't stay dead. He rises back to life again. And in this, he beats and defeats death forever. His resurrection, his rising from the dead, conquering death. And he says, those who follow me, they, they too will rise. He says, I'm the first fruits. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead physically secures our eternity, our forever relationship with God for those who want it. That's how we can be sure of this hope, of this resurrection, of this eternity. Because of what Jesus has done. He's a resurrection. 1 Peter 3.18 says this on the screen. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous one, Jesus. For the unrighteous, humanity. What to bring you to God? What Jesus has done. Death is not the end. Death is only the doorway on into eternity. And on the cross, Jesus secures our forever. Our eternity by dying on the cross and rising to new life. And we can be sure of our happy ending because of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. Making the only way to eternity, to a real relationship with the Creator. That's how we can be sure. It's all about Him, what He has done, not how good I am, or what I hope in. It's about what He has done on the cross for us. But I also want to say that knowing this hope, knowing how this story ends, having this happy ending, I want to say it changes everything right now. Here and now, it changes everything how we understand life and how it brings hope for the future. I want, to, I want to show you this for a few minutes. See, we are made, God made us to hope in something. We all hope in something. And what we hope in influences the way we interpret and respond to life. For most of us, we may or, not, may or not be conscious of this, what we hope in isn't a settled thing, but it's an ongoing search. We change what we hope in regularly. And we're always looking for something to hope in or someone to hope in. Because really, hope gets us up in the morning. It puts us to sleep at night. It what gives us courage to keep on going through tough times or letting go of something. But the problem is, for most of us, we hope 
what we hope in uh, lets us down. It disappoints us. If, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we're truly honest if we're just for ourselves, most of this world that we live in disappoints us in some way, shape, or form. Most of the things we hope in don't have a very long shelf life. We, hope in our, we have hopes and dreams in temporary things like situations or locations or relationships. We go into a new relationship holding tightly, just thinking it will definitely be better than the last one. Or we get excited about a new job because surely it's going to be better than the last job. We get a new fitness regime and think this one will definitely work. We go, owning my own house is going to be way better than renting. We keep searching and we keep hoping that something we pursue will give us this, this what we're looking for, this contentment, give us the answers we're, we're searching for, this desire to keep going to make sense of everything. The problem is, though, these things like relationships and jobs and homes and fitness, they're good, but they're not made to last forever. They will fade. They will fall. They will perish. The world we live in is not made to last. That's what the Creator says. And we keep being confronted with the, with the brokenness and the, and the shortcomings of this world day by day. And the key to finding hope here and now is just to admit that. To realizing these things won't last. For something to, to provide solid, real, sure hope, it must have some sort of sure future. And I want to say here that when you trust in Jesus, when you're reconciled to God, you're given a hope that will never spoil perish or fade. It's a forever hope because it's based on the real sure fact of Jesus' death and resurrection. And he is now raised and seated in the heavenly realms forever. See, following Jesus means you are called up God's forever child and given an inheritance. And you can build your hope on this inheritance because you know how it's going to end. Because it's secured in Jesus. And knowing how that story ends changes how you live now. See, when you face tough times, which we all will, and we all have, right? Not only is God with you, because you are his child, but you can hold to the fact in those hard times that this is not my everything. This is not the end for me. The best is yet to come. The present world with all its joys and sorrows is not my final address. You can live today knowing that you have a future that is beyond your wildest dreams. I don't know if you believe that or not. But you have a future that is beyond your wildest dreams. As Lewis says, every day is better than the last. See, the belief that this present life is all that, uh, all that I have makes suffering and hardship so much harder. Because these, these present, this present life and these joys that I have, when they're taken away from me, if it's all that I have, I'm devastated. But if, if, if you know this is not all there is, that heaven awaits, eternity awaits, then the pain that I go through in this world is just temporary. Having the end of the story in mind does not make this life any easier in the sense of it doesn't take the pain away. But we can face this suffering and this hardship knowing that these, that these moments of pain are not forever. That the hope I have is that I'm heading for home. I've been assured and and secured this hope through Jesus' death and resurrection. If if you're God's child, then you also know that God is with you and he will never leave you. He said, I'll never never leave you nor forsake you. And then you have 
the one who is on his throne, who is ruling, the king of all, the king above all kings, is ruling above all things. And he says, I love you, and I have a plan for you, and I'm working for your good in every single situation. He's intimately sovereign in your day. And you can trust in that. You can be certain of your future, that your life is heading somewhere, even if you feel it's not. It doesn't mean that life will be plain sailing, but you can know that you have a purpose, and the best is yet to come. And you are heading to a place where there's no more crying, weeping, mourning, or pain. Where all the sad things come, uh, come untrue. You can have hope now. And it frees you from making the things of this world ultimate. Because you have more to come. The writer Paul Tripp says this on the screen. He says, The things that suffering challenges, weakens or takes away as enduring, as they may now seem, are temporary. Suffering temporarily robs us of our physical and emotional strength. It temporarily robs us of our feeling of closeness to others. It temporarily removes our peace and our rest. Suffering suffering temporarily steals our comfort and pleasure, but forever, eternity guarantees that all this is temporary. Eternity tells every child of God the bulk of our existence will be lived in a place of eternal peace, rest, and joy. Life in the hereafter, with all all of its perfect beauty, will be eternal. From there, today's suffering will look like a light and momentary thing. Forever gives us the right perception. I want to tell you about a guy I know. His name was Pete. Pete was a, uh, one of my, my father-in-law's best friends. Pete was a father of two. He would have been in his late 50s, early 60s, and he was diagnosed with cancer. Now, Pete was probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And we, I remember sitting and talking to Pete about how he's feeling about his diagnosis of cancer and he was hopeful that he'd overcome it and he'd get going at chemo to be fine. Problem was, though, that, didn't, that, just, that, that didn't happen. I remember hearing that Pete had deteriorated and he only had a few weeks to live. And I can remember um, Katie and I chatted about it and, and Katie really wanted to see him before he, before he died. And so I remember going with Katie, knowing that Pete was really sick and was about to die, and going to his house, going driving the house, thinking, what do, I, what, do, what do you say to a guy who has a few weeks to live? What do you, how do you talk to someone like this? What do you, you can't talk about menial, menial things like this, about cricket or whatever. He's, he's going to die. And I'm knocking on the door, seeing his wife, who looked, she looked so overcome by it all, and she said, you've got to go into Pete's room because Pete is not well enough to get out of bed. And I'm looking at Pete in his bed, and he was so sick, and he was so skinny, and he was so white, and it wasn't the Pete I knew or had seen before. And he, uh, and he asked us to come and sit on his bed with him to talk to him, and we, and we sat on his bed for a little bit. And the one thing that has just has sticks in my mind and has shaped me for so long is that talking to Pete, Pete, I met Pete at church, and Pete knew Jesus, but him talking about death, he was so joyful. He, was, he had a peace about him because why? He knew what was to come. He knew where he was heading. And he couldn't wait to see his God face to face for eternity. Yes, Pete was sad that he would leave his wife. But Pete had this peace about him because he knew the ending. He knew who Jesus was and he trusted him and he believed in the resurrection and he was going home. You know, a couple of afternoons a week, I go and, I go and sit with my mum and I give her dinner. She has, uh, she has frontal lobe dementia. She used to come to City Light. 
and she's in the final stage of her dementia. She's lost the ability to have a normal conversation. She no longer can control uh, her, her um, when she goes, needs to go to the bathroom, so she has to wear an adult pull-up. And often I have to change those for her. It's, it's quite confronting to do that for your mum, the person who has, who has raised you and cared for you. Every afternoon we go there, she, um, I, put, I, I, made, I made her a CD. And on that CD is all the songs that we sing here at church, and she loves them. So every afternoon, I uh, put the CD on, and together we sing songs to Jesus. She knows Jesus, and she often says to me, uh, she often looks, she has this little, little thing of Jesus, she often says to him, where would I be without Jesus, darling, to me? My mum is sick, and she will not get any better. She will soon die. But I, I am one that I do not grieve without hope. I know where my mum is going, and I will see her again one day in glory, as she should be. And I often talk to my kids about it. And we talk about how great it's going to be to see grandma in eternity with Jesus as she should be. And this is sure and a sure hope, not a wish, but a sure hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that brings me hope now. See, when we understand and hold to the end of the story, when we see the bigger picture of life, we can experience a joy that is resilient and stir, so sturdy that it, will not, that it will not fade in the face of hardship. Eternity reminds us that these hard moments aren't all there is. There is hope. It tells us that God has a plan and we are part of his story and the best is yet to come. And it ensures that all the dark things and all the sadness will be dealt with in the end. Eternity tells us that God will dry our tears and heal our pains. There is hope. And, but the question out of all this is, do you know this hope? Do you know this hope? Do you have this hope now and forever? Because this is the offer of Jesus. 